So I've always been like a stage monkey, but nothing that was maybe like that that clicked um completely for me. But then when I when I found this, and since I've always liked writing and this was writing with performance and it was like a, a whole different thing. Uh, I was like, okay, I need to I need to try this. I want to do that. Like that's really cool. Um, this is a podcast called Walk. Talk. Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Blum, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest, um, who will introduce herself. Antonia, please go ahead. Hi, um, I'm Antonia Eriksson. My my stage name or my the name I go by is Antonia the Poet. And I'm a, I'm a spoken word poet based in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, so I do I do that, uh, which is like my passion project and the thing I want to do the most but I also study social work um so I'm at uni doing that at the same time but um yeah my main uh, my main thing in life is is the poetry so I do I do spoken word poetry um and with my own poems and I perform them at different events um so that's what I do um but who I am I guess is a completely separate question really um I, I grew up in Sweden. I have a mom who's British and a dad who's Swedish. So um, I've spoken English at home my entire life. It's my first language, um, but I've been in Sweden my entire life. Uh, I grew up in a small town, uh, really wanted to move away as quickly as possible. So when I was in my 20s, I, I moved to, to Stockholm, uh, the capital. So that's where I live now. And I'm very happy here. Um, yeah. I mean that's a short intro. Uh-huh. And and so are your your um you know how do you think that that mix so the British and the and Swedish you know how did that make you who you are and how is that informing also the work you know your your poems and and your art. Yeah. I mean when I was younger I didn't really reflect over the fact that I spoke a different language at home very much. Uh, it was quite natural to me to just switch between languages. I think the one thing that that I realized the cultural difference is, for example, Christmas. In Sweden, you celebrate Christmas on the 24th. In England, you celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day on the 25th. And I always found that a challenge. My mom didn't want to celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. So while all my friends were celebrating Christmas, we were waiting for the next day to celebrate Christmas. Um, but I, otherwise, I don't think that... Um, like the difference between Swedish and English English culture wasn't really there very much, but mm-hmm. um, it gave me um, an understanding for language, if nothing else. And like having two languages has been really helpful. And with my poetry, uh, I've I write the majority of my my poetry in English. And I think I, I heard a psychologist say that your your mother tongue is your mm-hmm. emotional uh, language. So that the language you grew up speaking is is your the easiest like way for you to um 
um, talk about your emotions is is mm-hmm. through your mother tongue. So, and I think that kind of explains why a lot of my poetry is in English because it's very emotional, and I find that I get it out better in English than in Swedish. So, that's mm-hmm. helped me with my poetry a lot and a lot with my a lot of my creative work in general. Um, it's been really nice to have uh, the English language. Uh, tell us a, a bit about your poetry because you're saying you know it's very emotional and I've seen you perform it's it's uh it's 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 great but it's it's very personal um at the same time you know it also connects it with wider issues um so yeah so you know when when did you start um writing uh, poems and when then did you decide that you wanted to share those poems with the wider world? Because that's a big step, I think. Yeah. Right? I mean, I've I've written my entire life. So when I was mm-hmm. a child, I'd write like little stories or little songs. And I've always been a writer. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find like spoken word poetry until quite late in my life. Or it was about five or six years ago now. Um, okay. And I found it by a coincidence. So I, I love watching TED Talks. And I watched a TED talk with a teacher called Sarah Kay. And at the end of her TED talk, she read a spoken word poem. And I was just blown away by the performance, the way you could deliver a message that way. It was so creative and it was, I mean, it's all about stage presence and, and how you use your body and how you how you speak and how you intonate words, but it's also about the words you're actually speaking. So it's larger than just written poetry because it's an entire performance. And I was so moved by what she did. And, and I've always been, well, partly really creative but I've also been on stage a lot I danced classical ballet for 13 years and was mm. on stage with that I sang a lot so I've been on stage singing so I've always been like a stage monkey mm-hmm. but nothing that was maybe like that that clicked um completely for me but then when I when I found this and since I've always liked writing and this was writing with performance and it was like a, a whole different thing uh I was like okay I need to I need to try this I want to do that like that's really cool uh, I'd love to do that so I just started experimenting and uh, started writing what could could be spoken word poetry I guess but I only read it for my family and in Sweden there wasn't and weirdly also in Stockholm there wasn't really a big stage for spoken word mm-hmm. poetry it was very hard to find open mics or events or things like that so i googled around I read my poetry for my family they're like it's really good you should pursue this you should find an open mic and I I couldn't find one so I ended up going to a spoken word like performance at the theatre in Stockholm and I went up to the the poets afterwards and said how do I do this Mm -hmm. uh what where do I need to like start so I get to be this person on the stage reading poetry and they were like oh but there's a Swedish championship uh, and you can go there and watch it and then you'll meet loads of people who are in the community and that can maybe help you like get into it so I I googled the Swedish championships and then really there are um several competitions beforehand in in different cities and the best from each cities go to their Swedish championships but they also take individual um competitors I think I think max four people for each Swedish championship and they just allot them at random so I applied and didn't wasn't wasn't one of the ones picked out uh, initially and then they called me on a Monday and said, we have a, a whole team that's that's not coming. So we have four spots at the Swedish Championships. Do you want to come? And I was like, 
sure what do I need <laughs> and they were like oh you need this and this and this and I needed like a certain amount of poems they needed there were loads of rules I needed to follow and I didn't I didn't even have that many poems so I was like oh I need to do something about this so I, I said yes that I'll be there and then Monday Tuesday I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and then I showed up at the Swedish Ch- championships on Wednesday and they went on Wednesday Thursday Friday and I, I went to the finals and I think oh. that's when I was like oh this is my thing like I'm good at this mm-hmm. um so that was like my first introduction and then I yeah. I started to find some open stages I did that I went to open mics I competed again did even better the second time around mm-hmm. and then I also kind of by chance got a really big gig which was at the inner development goal summit last year <laughs> 2022 they had no idea who I was um but they'd been recommended me because I'm an English speaking poet and they wanted mm-hmm. an English speaking poet for the event okay. um and they knew nothing about me and they contacted me and asked if I had something I thought could be useful so I, I sent them some examples and then I was invited there and that's kind of my first big I mean I guess break so I could start mm-hmm. working with it in a different way I never thought ever that I'd earn money doing this uh, right. it's a hobby for me it's my passion I, I love doing it but I I didn't ever think that I'd actually earn money doing it so that's been cool to be able to like pursue it as a career as well and not just a hobby yeah. which has been really special mm. so yeah if it would continue to go well will you stop with your study or, or uh, you know, well, I'm almost well, done. Well. Okay, I'm, I'm almost done. I have, uh, I finished next summer. Um, so I've only got two terms left, really. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing my my thesis now, and then I have a few master classes next term that I have to do that are on a higher degree. But I, I'm I'm going to finish it because it's mm-hmm. important for me to have a, a fallback as well. And I don't think the poetry necessarily is like. Uh, it's not 100% guaranteed work there are certain periods during the year no one books gigs and uh, there are other periods of the year when every company wants a gig because they have events mm-hmm. yeah so it's not um yeah it's it the, the gigs come and go in different periods so it's not like a safe secure income uh, and I also I, I also love what I'm studying and I can't wait to start working with that as well so I, I'm hoping I can combine them but get to do both of them as as much as possible and and uh, preferably as much poetry as possible, but still have the social work there. Um, so that's yeah, that's how I feel about it. Okay, and and I would like to go back to the emotional because when I you know checked your uh, Instagram, um, yeah, you you made it a note there that I I was there, therefore you saw me searching for the paper. I wrote it down and but something in terms of because you decided you made a, there is a remark yeah I think I think it goes the urge to write a poem became stronger than the urge to write a suicide note yes um yeah I mean ther- oh, my writing for me has been been therapy in a lot of mm-hmm. ways I, I go to therapy as well mm-hmm. um but the writing has always been been there for me and um, spoken word weirdly enough like it's it was completely nerve-wracking the first time I read poetry on stage I broke down crying because I'd I'd read my poems for my family and I'd read them myself and they didn't really move me in the same way because when you're reading it for a room full of strangers and you see someone start crying mm-hmm. and you realize that oh my words have an impact 
and it's not just me or in my head and it was this whole emotional experience and um, so the first times I read poetry on stage I, I cried almost every single time because I was so taken by the emotion in the room and that I could move people with my poetry um, and I, I explain spoken word poetry when I'm on stage as a mass therapy where I have a bunch of people, everything from like 10 to 500 to 1,000 people in an audience uh, whose only job is to listen. And they aren't, they can't question my story. They can't, they can't question what I'm telling them. They can't, they don't give me advice or tell me like to do this and this or whatever. Like sometimes when you share something with other people, they want to go in and fix it. But with poetry, it's art. So people can't really touch it. What they can say is your, your poem moved me but not is the poem true or is it this and this and, and all my poetry is true or it's my my own stories but um it's a way to be allowed to tell my story without being interrupted or being told I'm wrong or that my story isn't important I get to own my story so it's it's math mass therapy in that way and then a lot of my poetry come from traumas that I've experienced then it's a way for me to process them and um I think I understand it for myself as well, put things into words, get perspective, um, work out how I feel feel about it. Um, and when I when I share my poetry on stage, it's very raw and vulnerable. Um, but I think that opens up the opportunity to, for other people to be vulnerable. And I think that's what I um, that drives me a lot in life that I think we need to. I think we need to be vulnerable. It's how we build connection. It's how we we strengthen our community communities, our relationships. Um, so so I I I hope that me being vulnerable uh, on stage with my poetry inspires other people to be to be vulnerable as well. Um, so yeah. Um, so it's it, it the poetry is very emotional for me. And some poems I cry my way through when I'm writing them. Uh, some I don't. Some are really really dark some are not um but I um yeah it's, it's a way for me to process um so it's it's really helped me a lot oh and and you know I I really would, would invite the, the the audience the the listeners to check out your poems you have a YouTube channel now as well where there are two of your uh, performances. Um, you know, yeah, when I, the first one that I s saw from you actually was li was live. We will talk about it, about the inner development goals a little bit later in the conversation. Um, but then I saw on, on YouTube, I saw the goldfish that you did the year before. That's, that's very uh, personal and at the same time, yeah, I, I, I was listening to it and I, I thought, you know, this must be really helpful for for women who have experienced this as well. So it was, yeah, yeah, I'd like to commend you for that. So, Thank you. Um, you know, so uh, what I also uh, saw is then you had a performance at a, at a birthday party and you said, you know, this is maybe um, the only poem that where I'm a little bit funny. Um, mm. And and do do you think your your poems will change in terms of you know becoming more with um, you know to laugh about? Do you is that is that happening or no? You know because there are still some other things that you need to deal with. I mean, 
I, th- I think in general, I'm, I, I want to believe I'm quite a funny person I, and mm-hmm. I'm quirky and I like to joke a lot and I like to laugh. So, so I am quite a quirky person, mm-hmm. but a lot of my poetry is like pitch black because it's been mm-hmm. um, processing yeah. things I've been through. So and I, I still struggle trying to write like happy poems um, mm-hmm. because I think it becomes, it so easily becomes a cliche. Like I've tried to write a love poem and I feel like it's just, I, I can't take myself seriously. And I'm not a comedian. So if I'm trying to write something funny, it, it mm-hmm. can easily become forced. So finding that balance has been really mm-hmm. difficult. Um, so so the few poems I have, which I think are a bit funny, are also really dark. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of want the listener to, to not really be ready for the next step. So they have to stay very focused. So one second they're laughing and the next second I'm I'm kicking them in the guts with something really mm-hmm. serious. So you get to go through the emotions but I don't know I mean I I hope maybe um that I'll find it easier and easier to write about happy things I'm not in general a really sad person mm-hmm. I have been but but I think I'm I feel better but I, it's a challenge for me I have a really hard time uh writing about um positive emotions for some reason it's so much easier for me to write about uh, darkness and and tough times and trauma and I, I think a lot of writers probably recognize themselves in this and especially poets that it's um it's, in some way it's just easier to to explain or write about like the the darkness than it is the the good stuff hmm. um what I like about your poems you 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 mention you know that there need that you need to acknowledge it right I mean there is no light without dark and and um right i like that um around it you know i when you look at your again i'm talking about the instagram um because when you see it there is a certain moment you say um uh rebranding isn't that yeah yeah is that is that a moment where you decide to go out with your poems or what is that moment yeah i mean it's um yeah, that, that was special because um, okay. that Instagram um, mm-hmm. w- from the beginning was called something completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started it. And that's really a, a whole separate, quite a long story. But but yeah. it was called Eat, Move, Improve before. Mm-hmm. And I started it when I was 17, the same day I was admitted to hospital, almost dying of anorexia. So the, so the first, if you go all the way back in that Instagram, the first picture okay. is of my hospital bed. And then I... I um, documented my entire recovery and my way back to health mm-hmm. and um, th- that was what that Instagram was and then that blew up in media um, it, coincidentally really and the story spread globally and I suddenly was this like um, figure for for recovery from eating disorders and I, I was interviewed in, in a bunch of tv pro- programs and radio shows and I was kind of everywhere with it and then I yeah, so I, I kept that Instagram going while I was, I decided I wanted to be a personal trainer. I did that education. I started working with it. And then that Instagram kind of had a purpose. But when I understood that I don't want to be a personal trainer my entire life, I have all these other things I want to do. And my life isn't just what I eat and how I train, which that Instagram very much was. Uh, and I, I never started it Um wanting to be an influencer that was not the point for me at all it was to find other people who were going through the same thing who were suffering uh, how so who could help me and I could help them and we could inspire each other to recover because there's another really dark side on social media that is um they call it pro Anna which is like um accounts that are giving tips 
um, on how to lose weight, how to become skinny, how to do this and this mm-hmm. and this and not eat, which is really toxic. But I tried to find this like positive community of people uplifting each other, trying to recover instead. And I, that was really all I needed. I, I needed that support system from other mm-hmm. people who understood me. Um, so so when it blew up and I had this huge Instagram and loads of followers yeah. and uh, I was like, I, I didn't. I didn't ask for this and I and sure I could have like capitalized on it and gone with it and worked as an influencer today probably because it was in like the early days of Instagram so I was mm-hmm. one of the first big influencers in Sweden but that was never my goal it never drove mm-hmm. me it was not something I, I necessarily wanted to do so a bunch of years later when I started with my poetry I had this platform which I basically wasn't using where I had all these followers who knew me very well who had followed me through a really tough time in my life who I've shared so much with and and this was just another step on my journey so I rebranded the account to be about my poetry and whoever wanted to stick around could stick around but then I'm at least being true to myself and and doing something I enjoy doing and not because I it is expected of me. I make content about working out and eating, which is like just a tiny, tiny part of, of my life and who I am. Mm-hmm. And that pressure was just not not for me. So so mm-hmm. that's why I rebranded the account. So okay. so it's a long story, but, but that's what it was from the beginning. And mm-hmm. um, if you Google uh, Eat, Move, Improve, you'll find loads of news articles from 2012 or whatever it was when, mm-hmm. when this blew up. So yeah, so that's when the rebrand happened and okay. I, I went over to, to posting all my poetry there instead. Understood, okay. Um, and um, yeah, you, you also made a, a poem, uh, I think it's called Unsolicited Advice uh, yeah. to Teenage Girls. Um, yeah, so so what you hope what do you hope that you know the, the 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 present teenage girls will get out of your poems? What do you like to tell them, you know? Or I mean, warn I think, them for or prepare? Yeah, I I think it's two parts. That poem is also mm-hmm. that was a bit funny, a bit serious. Like it's got mm-hmm. both parts, and I've built it completely on my own experiences of, of stupid shit I did, really, mm-hmm. to be rude about or like crass about it but that was um like embarrassing things that had happened Mm -hmm. to me yeah but but also some of the really dark things that happened to me and difficult things Uh, and I wanted to put them in a poem poem which was like okay this is advice to myself as a teenager that I'm sure I I wouldn't have listened to then but but I'm saying now and I think the the point is and and with my poetry in general because I think I write a lot for especially women um Mm -hmm. and especially younger girls I think is to teach them or like to, to give I mean perspective uh, and also in somehow um, nudge towards resilience that like uh, life sucks and it's really hard but we we can't give up because of that um and that the end of that poem kind of ends with um um a a, a, a piece that's about uh, when I was um, really depressed and I, I took a bunch of, of pills and tried to commit suicide and it was um, a really dark time in my life but but I try to nudge on that in a positive way to, to be like do not give up um keep keep trying it'll get better kind of so I, I think I just want to inspire people to I don't know have hope maybe mm. and and re- believe in themselves and their resilience and just because you've been through 
really horrible things. It doesn't say anything about you as a, as a person. It's not your fault, but it doesn't either mean that you have to carry that with you your entire life. I mean, that happened to me, but it's not who I am. Uh, and I think that's something I've I've learned on my own um, mm-hmm. lately. Like it came quite late that I I think I for a very long time identified myself with my trauma, uh, and it it took <laughs> a lot of therapy. Um, I think and work with myself to get to a point where I don't I don't identify with my trauma. It's not it happened to me, but it's not me, and I get to choose the course of my life and who I want to be as a person, uh, and it's not dependent on that even if it shaped me and who I am and it's taught me a lot about myself it's not who I am um mm-hmm. so so I hope by by sharing my experiences and sharing my darkest times like other people can recognize themselves in it maybe find some hope maybe find some resilience uh, maybe see like because for example me with my eating disorders I I, I could have died um mm-hmm. and I want to be an example for other people to be like, you can live this life instead, though. Like, this is waiting for you. Um, mm-hmm. You just need to go after it. Um, this doesn't have to hold you back and hold you down. You can choose the direction of your life. And I I, I hope, uh, I, I don't know, but I hope um, maybe that can nudge someone in the right direction or or, or inspire them. I assume that you are getting a lot of messages as a result of you know what you do in your poems, right? So yeah, um, yeah. So I mean that that alone is 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 great. Um, I when I was listening to you, you said, okay, you know, I I had to do a lot of hard work. I've been in therapy. I'm still in therapy. Have there been people in your life that were helpful in getting you? to where you are uh, where you are today or or is it really you know no you need to yes of course you have support but you need to do it ultimately yourself how 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 do you see that um I mean I, I think a lot of at least my younger years I felt like it was a, a bit me for, for myself on my own I, I thought mm-hmm. I had to um, yeah I needed a lot of resilience and and for me to get somewhere in my life it was kind of up to me I, I felt the same way with my eating disorders I, I was hospitalized and thank god there is you know, great medical care in Sweden but I I kind of even if I had my family there they couldn't really they couldn't really handle it they couldn't really deal with it so it was very much me who had to recover for me um and I think there have been a bunch of things like that in my life where I felt like I'm kind of on my own it's me against the world um but with that said I also have had a lot of support through my life and I have a really nice relationship with both my siblings and we're very close um I have a good relationship with my my mom and dad today but it's had its ups and downs uh, during my life but we're in a good place now and I think that is partly because I've done a lot of work with myself that I can have a relationship with them that's healthy and and where I'm safe and and uh, happy um but yeah, so that's that's been tough. Mm-hmm. But I've but and I've had people who also like have opened doors. I mean, uh, the IDGs, for example, that I got that gig, that was someone who opened a door for me that that helped me repel into something I really wanted to do. So I've I've had that, of course, and I have amazing friends who have who have been great. So I I can't I can't say that that I am where I am today is completely dependent on me. It's not. But I think a lot of it has been work I've had to do and I've had to fight. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and like just keep getting back up again because mm-hmm. I, I think I felt a lot like life kind of keeps knocking me down and I have to again and again show myself that like mm-hmm. you've got this you can do this you've you've been through worse you're all right um so yeah and and done a lot of work there in, in therapy for example to to be a better person in other people's life as well um mm-hmm. and not let my my trauma or what I've been through um set the course for my life and my relationships So you went you went through a lot. Um, so if and, and so if I ask you the question at, at the moment about what drives you in life, what makes it that you get out of bed in the morning? What would you answer now at the moment? It's it's a difficult question. Uh, I think it's I think partly like I I I love to live. Um, I think this life is. Um, amazing and fun and exciting and there are so many things to do and experience and see and uh, and that make, makes me excited uh, and the people in my life who I care about uh, I get up out of bed for them a lot and on like a really really dark day I think that's what I have to find and also the grit mm-hmm. and like the survivor mode in me to be like I need to be here and I need to prove to my younger self or or other people in my life that like I can do this I can get up I can keep going I need to prove that I'm not I, I'm not going to give up I have to keep fighting so I think it's like double sometimes it's just I love I love life and sometimes it's like I, I need to prove that that I I can do this and and that my existence is valid almost so that's almost like a like dark dysfunctional side of it but then it's also all the people in my life so it's it's different uh day to day I think and depending on how I'm feeling mm. but I mean making some kind of an impact is very important to me and it I've always want I've always wanted to help people it's what drives me the absolute most and I think that's why I chose social work and that's why I read poetry that's very raw and vulnerable and connects with people because I feel like it makes a difference and I think that's like my my goal in life or what drives me in life is just to make some sort of an impact to do something that matters that it that it there's a like um yeah it, it makes a difference that I'm here or not um so I think yeah long answer to a a short question but I think Mm -hmm. that's how I I think when I talk with more senior uh, people you know they say oh you know uh, this younger generation is struggling with with mental health issues I I, I'm not saying that's not true I I think as a world we are we are struggling and it has so many it has to do with the poly crisis, um, you know, also the maybe the amount of of uh, information that you get, you cannot, you know, what do you you cannot cope with it, and and um, so um, my my question to you is is around, um, yeah, I mean, do you? I know that you, you know, going up and down, and you have gone through tough times, and you still are. At times you you say, do you see that in your friends of your same, you know, your your, your same generation as well? And yeah, and and do you think that's true, that the younger generation is is more struggling than the older generation? I I think, uh, or with with my friends, I think that it's 
you you also I mean your community or the people you spend time with are usually also quite a lot like you so I, I can't really speak on my entire generation I can speak on the people I know sure. who are yeah. like yeah. me and also have ups ups and downs but if I if I would try to have like a wider perspective on on my generation I think it's yes and no I think that uh, mental health is is a um, big and serious issue but I also think we're speaking about mental health a lot more so the issue seems a lot bigger because of that uh, and that's not like diminishing the fact that it is a big problem and probably mental health has gotten worse uh, and I think a lot of research shows that but I also think we we talk about it in a different way now we we start we get help in a different way uh, youths talk about their mental illnesses it's not as taboo anymore and I think that can maybe sometimes also give the perception that it's so much worse and it's not always and I also think that my generation and, and the generations below me or coming after me, I think we have a lot of, of fight in us and there, there's a lot of things we want to change and where we think we need change. And I think, so I think it's a very driven generation as well, but I think we've all had our struggles. So, so, I mean, in some ways, yes, maybe the mental health is worse. There are different pressures, but also I think we're better at talking about it and better at getting help. Well, you know, this this podcast is a spin-off of a 100-mile walk that, you know, I started in 2012 to raise awareness and funds for stop uh, to end hunger, poverty, and injustice. Um, and, yeah, if, if you would be asked to walk 100 miles in a week, you know, 15 mm-hmm. to 20 miles per day, um, yeah, for which cause would you walk? I've thought about this question and I have, there are so many things I think that I I could do this for really. But when I like landed in um, questions that I've thought a bit, a lot about lately mm-hmm. um, in, in my essay I'm writing or my thesis now I'm writing in, in at uni, uh, we're looking at, at children who have been sexually exploited online. And I've always been very driven to, to help children and, and to make sure our children are safe. So I think, something connected to that would would make it very easy for me to do it mm-hmm. um so so ch- children who are um objects for violence mm-hmm. or or sexual abuse or sexual assault um i could i could probably go away past 100 miles for that um so yeah i choose that because i've been okay. working with it a lot lately when i when i walk um you know you i, I start thinking about you why you know why are we on earth uh, what is life about what is the purpose and and then sometimes i'm unaccompanied by uh, people that walk with me for a couple of miles or all the whole full 15 miles or 20 miles um and then we talk about uh, life but also about spirituality and religion uh, and then oddly enough very often about you know what do you think is happening with the youth and religion and spirituality um so I'm always curious about uh, this. So I ask, yeah, what do you see happening among your generation in terms of um, religion and spirituality? And is that different than, you know, uh, the older generation from your point I, of view? I think it, it's different than maybe for the older generation. I think, mm-hmm. especially in Sweden, um, religion isn't as, as strong or as a central part of, of um the civilization and community mm-hmm. as it has been historically i mean christianity was very very big in sweden and i think 
a lot of people have been baptized for example or or went to church as kids or like things like that but I don't I don't think a lot of youth anymore are very involved in religion uh there, there are a few uh absolutely and I think but there are also more religions it's a broader spectrum um and there are also a lot of people who who aren't religious but I do think a lot of people are spiritual and maybe more people talk about different types of spirituality than they do about religion so I think there's still something there and I think a lot of people I talk to at least I mean they might not uh, say they're religious I don't think I would either I can't um, connect myself to a religion and say I believe in this god or this like um, system but I can say that I don't I don't know there are so many things I don't know so I can't say like there is no god or there's no other like higher spirit or there's no other force behind this or this life or the things I get to do or I don't know what happens after I die and whatnot so I don't want to exclude it and I have some sort of spirituality and I've meditated a lot and I've done things like that so so I can't say I'm like an absolute atheist either but I'm not religious and I think I have a lot of of people I know and a lot of people in my generation that that um I think resonates with that and and probably would yeah um have maybe kind of the same idea but mm-hmm. it's different again you you spend time with people who are like you um and I have a few really religious friends um but um yeah not very many um and I think I think the church has a, a smaller role in society at mm-hmm. least in Sweden today than it has had historically yeah although what I understood when I was in Sweden uh recently is that everybody at birth is is already part of the church right yeah so if you don't want to be part of the church you need to take an action exactly and i mean Which that is you're in the church is yeah. is mostly that you pay tax um mm-hmm. so and and i think a lot of people stay stay in the swedish church and pay tax to the swedish church since mm-hmm. because they appreciate the uh work the swedish church maybe does um mm-hmm. with like uh, people in in poverty or in difficult situations mm-hmm. that, that there's a system that helps people and mm-hmm. not that they necessarily are christian um so i mean it's it's difficult but a lot and a lot of people choose to leave the church since they're not religious and it feels wrong mm-hmm. to be a part of that then because they don't believe in in that god so mm-hmm. yeah you know i i um, often talk uh, with my guests about you know what worries them at the moment and then I also talk about hope um, but but the question that I would like to ask you is is um, you know a lot of the the senior more senior guests of, of mine uh, when I ask them where do you still see hope they say you know in the next generation is youth and and so my question that we come to my younger guests is, what do you think about that? When when you know people say, well, you know, I still see hope in the younger generation, and yeah, how do you deal with that uh, particular comment and observation? I mean, I I understand it, uh, and I I can see it. I think I have hope in in this young generation as well, but I I I think it also annoys me a little bit because it's a way of like not my responsibility they've got this they're going to be the change we have hope in them we don't really need to do anything uh and i think it's a way of not taking responsibility for the fact that any generation alive today can actually make a difference that matters and especially if we look at 
the climate and the climate crisis right now that it's we need to make changes now and the youth who are really driven the questions some of them aren't old enough to vote so they can't affect politics and the politics is what makes the decisions um so so there i think it's uh it, 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 it doesn't really sit quite right with me always because i think it's a way of just taking yourself out from the situation being like oh but they've got this we have hope in them because we're we're done it's too late so I think it's a way of not taking responsibility. So that annoys me, actually. But I also believe in the, the younger generation. And I see a, a fire and a, a will and, and a want to change. So, I mean, uh, I, I understand it as well. As well. Now, talking about, you know, climate change and the problems that we're facing, um, what, I, what I try to do is make my... Know, listeners aware of the sustainable development goals I, you know it's not perfect but i think that framework you know kind of reminds reminds us that we need to work hard on on uh, to ensure that we will have future generations so you know there are these 17 goals that have been identified and actually you know it was a kind of a participatory process a, a lot of people were involved again not perfect um I, I know that you've heard about the Sustainable Development Goals. You, you were yeah. at the Inner Development Goals Summit. Um, but if I ask you, you know, if there is one thing that you would, uh, our, you know, my listeners to know about the Sustainable Development Goals, what would that be? I mean, first of all, I think you should know about them. Mm -hmm. uh, I lifted, lifted this yesterday when I was discussing with my friends that I was going to be in this podcast. And I'm like, do you yeah. guys, do you know do you know what it is? Like, do you know the SDGs? So, I mean, yeah. step one, you should be aware. Like, you should know that they're there and see how you can can be a part of it and be changed. Because it's not, I mean, a lot of it is local politics or on a larger scale level or mm -hmm. where we need big decisions to make these changes. But as individuals, we can also make changes. We can pressure politics as well. We can mm -hmm. make changes and see changes happen. So we have a sustainable world. So I think it's, uh, I think you should be aware. I think you should know what they are. I think you should should understand it. And I think you should look for ways you can be a part of it and, and what you can do to actually help. Because um, it doesn't have to be huge things always. And I think a lot of people are like, whoa, this is a lot. Like, it's scary. It's a lot. This is so much pressure. So I do nothing. Or I, I shut shut off because it's it's too much and it's too dark. And it's like, uh, and I think people become very pacified by that. So I think, you need to know you need to like read up on it and you need to find action uh, and i think that goes with any any movement really but with the sdgs that are very clear uh, i don't think it's um it's not that hard to find things you can do and how you can can be a part of it and, and be a part of change so yeah you know you know the um the latest uh, one of the latest reports on the sustainable development goals says that on average we are at only 15 percent of the goal mm -hmm. and you know things are mentioned that because of the poly crisis the war etc um but you know there is this growing group of people around the world that says yes okay that might be true but one of the reasons that we are also not in the right direction is because we never paid attention mm -hmm. to the abilities knowledge and skills that you need as an individual and as a community so um, they came up with five inner development goals that you're very aware of, you know, being, thinking, relating, collaborating, and acting. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you, in 2022, were asked to perform in the first inner development goal, uh, development goal summit, and, and again this year. Um, 
But what what are your thoughts actually about the inner development goals? When I was first invited um, in 2022, mm -hmm. I had no idea what it was. No idea. I was like, there's this thing. It's a huge summit. It's at the Stockholm Concert Hall. So it's this huge stage. It's the mm -hmm. biggest gig I've ever had. And I meant, this is cool. Uh, and then when we started discussing what poems, then they sent me the the uh, different categories or the, the different inner development goals. And we're like, do you have any poems that go in any of these categories? Um, and that's how I started learning about the end of the development goals. And then I was there and I saw the summit and I was a part of it. And I thought it was such amazing work and some important work. Um, so it was very, I, I asked to come back this year. Um, I pitched myself and was like, hi, I'm, I'm still here. I'd love to come again. Um, and I was I was allowed to come back and read some more poems, which was really nice. Um, so so, yeah, I didn't I didn't know about it at all first, but now I'm quite mm -hmm. uh, quite invested in it. Uh, and I think it's I think it's really important. I don't think I can um, I can say enough how important I think it is uh, that we look at these different in, in development goals and how we as individuals in our communities, as a society, what skills we need to learn to be able to reach the SDGs like they really really go hand in hand mm -hmm. and I think like I was saying before with the SDGs a lot of people are like whoa that's a lot and the inner development goals kind of make it very concrete in like mm -hmm. what you can do for yourself and your companies and your communities um, and what skills you need to develop to be able to reach there and then it then it becomes easier and more hands-on as well which I think mm -hmm. is, is helpful for a lot of people and I, I realized that being at the summit it people are like desperate for this like they they're, they're like open like so open and they're just taking everything in and they just they just love it they love the connection they love being moved all the speakers they always have loads of art and artists and it's like huge and I feel like everyone's just like an open they're just so open to experience mm -hmm. um, and and connection and it's really nice to be there at the summit because you can see people connecting all the time and we we need that so much and I think especially like in the society we live in today and and with all the, the entire digital life we live and I think especially after COVID when everyone was very isolated and didn't see each other and all of these things uh I think we we almost muted and forgot about our need for connection and, and closeness and being around other people. And I mean, the summit last year was off the back of COVID. People hadn't been at conferences or summits for years. And it was the same there. People were just like desperate for it. They really, really need that connection. Um, so I think like I, I encourage everyone to read up on what the inner development goals are, to to find a way to to. Um, be a part of it find a local hub find a way you can like connect to this because as soon as you're in um you don't want to leave you just need mm -hmm. to find your your place for it uh, and there are hubs globally uh, and i think people should get invested because we need it and we need those skills to be able to reach the sdgs so i think everyone should take the responsibility in that as well and it in a development is i mean isn't that like the ultimate goal for everyone always that we want to grow and become better and, and develop as, as humans um I mean that's it's a skill book go find it like do the work um so yeah great and and, and you can also start a hub yourself right if you yeah if there is exactly. no, if there is nothing in your um vicinity and or if you want to start your own that's all exactly. fine exactly um you mentioned the word connecting connection couple of times 
Yeah. What I hope this podcast will do is connect people and make the listeners realize that, okay, I might not agree with everything this guest is saying. Actually, I don't agree with most of what this guest is saying, but there is always something that you can connect to. And, and, and connection, you know, maybe is the beginning of starting a conversation, a dialogue. And, and that's, I think, uh, more important than ever in this uh, in this world today. Mm-hmm. So I try to put that into, you know, something more concrete. So I'm, I'm bringing really my guests together. And uh, I do that by sharing a, ge- a question for you of, of the previous guest. And actually, he came up with three questions for you um, that are related. It's about peace. Where do you experience peace in your own life? And what helps you to promote peace? And do you dare to hope for peace for this world? In a way, these are three questions, but all related to the word peace. Yeah. Mm. Big questions. Mm. Um, so the first one was where I find peace, right? Yeah. Um, where do you experience peace yeah. in your own life? Yeah. I think it is in connection with people who are close to me. Um, when I'm with people who I don't need to perform when I'm with them, where I can just completely be myself and they take me exactly as I am and I can rest in the relationship. I think that's where I feel uh, a lot of peace and in, in connection with other people in general. Um, poetry is like that for me as well, standing on stage, feeling a connection with an audience where I'm very aligned. Um, I think that that's as close to peace as a it's a feeling I can get, I think. Um, and the other one was... What helps you to promote peace? I think that's taking care of myself. Um, I mean, if I take care of myself, I can I can be a better support for other people and taking responsibility for, for myself and my actions, I think mm-hmm. is really important. If you don't have your shit together, it's hard to help mm-hmm. someone else. Um, so I think I'm a, I'm a better person when I take good care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps me promote peace. Um, and being and being humble, um, I think is important. And if I dare to hope for peace in this world, I really want to say yes. I want to. I want to say yes, but I, I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure I dare hope for that. I think people, as long as we have existed, have always been at war with each other in in different ways. And I I hope. I really hope we come to a place of peace. Um, or at least more peace than we have now. But I, I'm, I think I'm a little bit hopeless. The fact that um, it, we haven't seen it yet. So, so will we ever see it? I don't know. Um, but I'm going to do my best to promote peace. I think everyone, if everyone does that, maybe we'll make the world a little bit more of a better place. Um, yeah. Um, your question for the next guest difficult I've been thinking about this and I've had a hard time um, um, I've had a hard time uh, deciding what I want to say but I I think I've landed in um, where in your life do you feel the absolute most present and aligned with your with yourself Um, so which moments in life do you feel as connected to yourself as possible but maybe also in other ways like when you feel connected 
uh, and aligned and um, centered, like which areas in your life or which moments um, do you feel that connectedness? Um, I think. Great. Um, you know, in, in the US, um, uh, Steve Hartman of CBS uh, examines how one simple act of kindness creates a ripple effect. Um, and normally I ask, um, you know, what are your thoughts about this? Um, but I'm not going to ask you. I'm, I'm going to ask you something else around this uh, simple act of kindness. Um, and the question that I have for you, because, you know, during the this year's um, the Inner Development uh, Goal Summit, your poem, was, you were talking about the butterfly effect. Yeah. So is that is that similar, according yeah. to you, to the one simple act of kindness? I think so. I mean, because there it's like, there the metaphor is if, if a butterfly flaps its wings in one part of the world, that change in air pressure could cause eventually a whirlwind on the other side of the globe. So it's this tiny little thing that seems like it's nothing could, could have this huge impact. Um, and I and I believe this is the same thing that if you do a little thing here, the kindness will ripple. So it's the same thing as the butterfly effect, but it's more maybe focused on just the positive, like we can spread kindness. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's similar. Um, it's the same idea, I think, that what we do has has an impact, it matters, it will have an effect. So we really need to consider our actions and and understand why we do things. Um, so yeah. Um, if I would ask you now on the spot uh, to come up with, you know, one simple act of kindness for this week, mm -hmm. what would you do? I would, um, I mean, I, I, I try to be kind in general in my life, but one thing I re remind myself of now and then is to make sure I really reach out to people in my life who I care about, and maybe especially people who I haven't heard from for a while or who are a little bit quiet or who have always answered how you're feeling with I'm fine um taking the time to, to ask uh, and listen uh, I think that is something people need to do more uh, and I have to remind myself of that sometimes to really take the time to check in on my loved ones uh, and not just presume they are okay um and I think that's um sometimes the kindest thing you can do for someone else is just to listen and be there um, so yeah Maybe that. Um, you know, music is very close to my my heart. So I have always a question about music as well. Um, if I would ask you to mention a song or a piece of music that embodies, for a big part, um, what you are about, which song or piece of music would it be, and why? This is this is also difficult. I think I love music as well, and I, I would have found it easier to give a song that I think um, explains me in some way, and um, because that's a completely different question. But I I went through like my music library, what I like listening to, my favorite artists, how I can find like a good, and I and I landed eventually in Harry Styles, "Treat People with Kindness," um, which is. An amazing song and a very happy uplifting song it's great um but i think kind of like i like i answer now about acts of mm -hmm. kindness that we need to treat people with kindness and have empathy and understanding for other people uh, and that might actually promote peace 
time. Cool. You know, that, that song, I will add that song to a playlist that uh, I started in Spotify. Um, you should be able to find it by searching for hashtag walk, talk, listen, and then you see all the songs uh, that have been uh, selected by the different guests. And it goes from classical music to hard rock to R&B, name it, so, okay. uh, or folk. Yeah, a any message, invitation, or question for the listeners? Um, I I always try to um, nudge people to be creative, to find a way to be creative. It's a really good way of connecting with yourself. Uh, and it doesn't have to be writing, and it doesn't have to be painting. It can be anything. But I think that's a little nudge I try to uh, to give people in general, and especially the older generation. Uh, listen and ask your kids questions. Um, uh, I think it's, um, I think we can learn a lot um, from, from speaking to children, uh, especially. Um, and then, yeah, watch, watch my poetry if you want to, <laughs> um, or book me for an event. That would be fun. Yeah, and um, where can they find you? Um, I'm Antonia the Poet basically everywhere. So I have a homepage that's antoniathepoet.com. I have a, an Instagram and a YouTube with the same name. I'm Antonia Erickson on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, there you can find me. And my email is the same as well, antoniathepoet at gmail.com. Okay, we'll make sure that we list your social media handles, your website, all in the podcast notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would like to thank you for, for um, you know, your willingness to talk with me today and to share um, your story. Thank you. Um, please keep doing what you do. Uh, it's great. Um, looking forward to uh, that you will put yourself as a, as a um, performer again uh, during next year's summer because I will be there again. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm planning at least to go. Um, yeah, any any question that I should have asked but I didn't before we uh, conclude? I don't think so. Uh, or nothing I can think of um, right now anyway. I don't think. Um, I feel like I've, I've uh, talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much, uh, Antonia. And as I said, yeah, all the best with everything you do. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. for listening to walk talk listen please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on facebook or instagram